Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Agilisys podcast, where we talk to public sector leaders about technology and how it is being used to transform service delivery and drive operational excellence. My name is Austin Clark and I'm delighted to be your host for today's episode, which focuses on digital transformation, the journey to the cloud and the technology reshaping service delivery and infrastructure at a district council level. It goes without saying that the chaos of the COVID-19 pandemic has challenged the public sector at unprecedented levels. All organisations, district councils very much included, have been forced to rethink how new ways of working can be embraced and how citizen-centric services can be delivered differently. As a result, mindsets have shifted and digital transformation accelerated thanks in no small part to the rise and rise of flexible, scalable, fleet-of-foot IT that's equally suited to a district council as it is a larger authority. In this podcast, we explore the challenges district councils are facing and how technology is helping to overcome them. We discuss how leaders can ensure that funding and the business case for investment in technology are where they need to be and take a look at where those responsible for transformation can turn for the all-important knowledge sharing. Joining me to share their thoughts on these topics and more are Amanda Pujol, Head of Communities and Improvement at Teambridge District Council, and Adam Gibbons, Housing and Local Regional Government Lead at Agilisys. Amanda and Adam, welcome. Hello. Hello. So Amanda, the first question is for you. Uh, and, and what are the major internal and external challenges faced by district councils at the moment? And, and how has COVID shifted that landscape? Um, well, there's clearly an issue around um, finances with district councils at the moment. And Teenbridge is relatively small. Um, we're a small district council. We've got approximately 135,000 residents. And that equates to about 54,000 households. And we have a net budget of around 15 million. Shrinking budgets have resulted in an overall reduction in, in our staff headcount across the council. And there is a lot of competing pressures for capital resources. And some of the choices we have to make is, you know, do we invest in our town centre regeneration projects or do we invest in upgrading our IT infrastructure? So, yeah, it's difficult financially for us at the moment. COVID clearly has had a significant impact, both in terms of, of the finances, but also in terms of our capacity to deliver and also our priorities. I think for every organisation, digital's come to the forefront since the pandemic. In my own organisation, before COVID hit, we didn't have a very agile working environment and we'd only just began to explore how we were going to work in a more agile way and how digital would enable us to do that. Um, so one of the challenges I had was to move the whole organisation to home working in effectively a week. So one of the impacts of COVID has been to significantly accelerate our move towards hybrid working but also our deployment of software to enable staff to work more effectively remotely. So we've started to prioritise the rolling out of the Microsoft Office suite, but also looking at how we can digitise our front-facing customer processes more and make sure that they're responsive and seamless. F fantastic. So real changes there. And you've mentioned a couple of technologies already, but but kind of what other uh, digital tools are key in, in of meeting those challenges that you've mentioned and, and kind of transforming your council in, into the, the, this kind of technology-enabled council of the future? 
Um, I think for us, one of the one of the main things we realised during the pandemic is that we need technology that's agile and responsive and that we can scale up and down according to demands and needs within the organisation. And also that enables us to provide great digital services for the customer, because obviously our digital transactions have gone up significantly because when we shut the front doors to the council, we still had to provide services, we still had to communicate with customers and digital became the means to do that. Um, we've been working with our two other partner authorities, which is East Devon and Exeter, to develop a digital strategy. And key to that is going to be our movement of the cloud, movement to the cloud, and um, the full deployment of the Office 365 suite, which I've already mentioned. But we're also very keen to look at the data piece and looking at our data strategy. Because what we found during the pandemic is that we, we really struggled, for example, to identify some of our more vulnerable customers and, and target our interventions and support that we had available during the pandemic. And also, we've also identified that our, um, our own sort of in-house use of data in terms of managing the business and enabling us to make good business decisions could be significantly improved. I think the other thing that we really need to look at, and, and this goes back to this issue around agility, is using low-code solutions to deliver our, our business systems. We need to be able to configure and develop our business systems in a very agile and responsive way. And sometimes that's not possible with our existing software suite that we have from suppliers. That's an interesting point you raised there, Amanda. And, and Adam, if I can bring you in on, on this, it kind of... How do you overcome that challenge? I think for district councils, it's the capacity issue that's the massive challenge. Some of the low-code platforms we're seeing, such as the Power Platform from Microsoft that has a suite of what they're calling citizen-enabled designs, so even citizens can start creating apps for people. But actually what that does translate to is that service areas can create their own simple-to-market apps that are effective and not cumbersome and more importantly they can be adapting to the changing needs amanda articulated it well right the 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 demand for digital services has gone through the roof and yet there's no scalability within district councils to adapt to it so giving them those tool sets to really really hone in on where they want to deliver their digital skills is important so areas like the power platform is ideal But I think coupled with that is trying to get people to use some of the capacity tools that are out there in the marketplace, some of the robotic process optimization tools. What that allows people to do is to then go, I want to deliver frontline services, but at the moment I'm doing a whole load of manual tasks that are taking me hours in my day. How do I remove that from their workload so they can actually focus on doing frontline delivery work? So I think some of the combination of the tools together, and if you put it onto a cloud platform, gives you that scalability and more importantly, the security too, as well as it obviously being uh, low carbon as well. So it's always all good for the environment if we do it in that way too. Absolutely. Yeah. So are you saying there that, that in your eyes and, and from the conversations you're having with district councils, that cloud is the great enabler? I, I think so. I think it's a platform for growth. It, it hasn't been over the last five or six years because the scales and the economy of it just wasn't there. But I think now that... Um, partners and authorities have had the chance to to go through that learning because there is a learning curve and that learning curve comes with cost now we've come through that pain and especially accelerated through the pandemic that it's now in the reach of most district councils to look at cloud across the whole suite 
And whether that's the SaaS applications that are, that are out there or even different forms of that looks as IaaS or PaaS, I think it's really about that scalability for people. Fantastic. Amanda, is there anything you would like to add there? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there is also an issue around, obviously, we've talked about, you know, the capacity issue within with staff. But also, I think one of the things that we're starting to see with the pandemic is um, there is now an issue around competition for digital skills. So um, because digital rose to the forefront in private sector and in public sector, there's been a significant amount of demand for those really good, talented people who have got the IT skills and, and can transform the organisation. And because we're already facing you know, significant wage increases in other service areas within the council because of, of private sector demand, so the one that comes to mind is HGV drivers and our ability to, um, to maintain a, a workforce, to maintain our refuge services, we're really starting to struggle in terms of getting the expertise in to help us, you know, transform our services. And that's both in terms of in-house posts or, or digital posts within the council or whatever third party they may have delivering their IT services. But I think also we're not seeing the same um we're not seeing the same volume of supply coming through on any tenders that we do through digital frameworks. Um, because we're competing with the private sector. So that, that's a bit of a challenge for us as well. Turning that, that on its head and thinking about digital skills, one of the other problems, barriers, if you like, that, that we often hear about is, is digital inclusion or exclusion, depending which side of the fence you want to, to look at it from. And is that something that you're seeing in Teambridge, Amanda? I think the language around digital exclusion is is changing um, because I think what is now becoming an issue for us is is digital poverty because I think people will will have devices i mean we've we've done some surveys that show that the use of digital and access to individual sorry digital devices has increased significantly within the district, but it's how you pay for that. And, you know, if people are on pay-as-you-go contracts and they've got issues around data, then that digital poverty piece is becoming more prominent rather than the digital exclusion piece. I'm not saying it, it's, you know, we've got full digital um, coverage and, and sort of 5G across the whole of Devon. We, we're a rural authority, so we have some issues around infrastructure and, and people being able to access um, significant sort of network coverage within the district. But I think it's this digital poverty piece that is becoming more prominent rather than exclusion. Excellent. Yeah, very well said there, Amanda. So coming back to, to one of the most talked about areas of technology across the public sector from, from districts up, uh, data and predictive analytics is kind of very much at the forefront of, of what we're talking about. So, Adam, what role does this play in district councils? It's an interesting topic. So traditionally, um, councils have, have always looked at the, the big spend items such as adult social care or child social care, which clearly doesn't affect districts in, in such a, a budgetary way. But actually, the services that district councils and their partners deliver down to individuals affect that spend later on. So SITFRA used to have this concept of the digital pound. Sorry, the public digital pound and the public digital pound as a pound spent is what's the implications across all of the services that public services deliver. And, and, and for me, districts have a, a massive, crucial role in, in 
better lives and better places to live. You're delivering services out for homes, you're delivering services out for their benefits and their revenues that they collect. And if you're in some form of arrears in your council tax, it, it gives you a, a, a sense of foreboding, I, I guess, as much as anything else. So using data to predict who's likely to go into arrears and offering targeted services out before people get into crisis, or looking at understanding the data that would help people stay in their homes longer, perhaps because you understand who's going to be claiming universal credit, how long they have, what those zero hours contracts are, are changing as well. But a lot of the data I'm seeing districts use is rear view data. So there's a whole industry behind it, creating these massive dashboards that are, are seen once a month or once every quarter. And, and it's beautiful quality data. And I can point you to some wonderful stuff that Oxfordshire are doing. But it's all, as I said, rear view mirror stuff. What we actually want to see is district councils being that data led for their decision making on a daily basis and being able to be more transparent with that data across their leaders, perhaps some of their uh, members as well, so that really what they are doing is making really quite difficult decisions on services based on real time data. Because the big question that more district councils are facing at the moment is I've got a statutory set of services I need to deliver, but what do I do with the discretionary services and those difficult conversations with the members? Are better informed with data. So I think there's a, there's a whole set of how do we get that live time information in the hands of people without the massive production that they have to do every sort of month or quarter to do it. So, but, but technology holds the key there, I think. Uh, Amanda, so taking that to the, the next level, where does artificial intelligence come into play? I think, you know, for us, we're very early on the on the AI, I guess, roadmap, because we've just started to think about how that that might influence our service provision and in future. Because um, it's clear for us that we want to make ensure that our systems are as automated as possible, because if we have if we have budget pressures and we have a finite staff resource we want to make sure that those staff are dealing with the most complex problems not the very simple stuff that could be automated and that we could use um, AI to um, to provide a solution for so we've just started looking at it but we're very we're very early on in the journey but going back to what Adam was talking about I think this issue about data is key because when we look at an organization and the data we hold internally, we have abundances of data, but we can't get it out the systems. And you're right, there is this whole, we're still working on spreadsheets of data and data dumps anytime we're trying to make a business case for, for a decision. And we don't work generally in, in real time data. Um, so we started to do some work around our performance data internally, because it's about us as a management team being able to make those sound business decisions based on the data sets that we've got. But we need to go further than that. We need to look at, you know, the trends that the data is telling us and how that can be matched with other data sets outside of our own area. So whether that's with county council data sets or whether that's with information that the LGA collate through LG Inform. So we've integrated some of their data sets into our performance dashboards then that helps us to make better business decisions and also explain to councillors about why we're investing in some services and de-investing in others. The interesting, there is a, a lot of interest, or it's certainly in, within my service areas because I have housing around the predictive analytics 
around homelessness because homelessness is a, is a really expensive service for us to provide, never mind the, the, the wider social disadvantage that people have and the actual social impacts of homelessness. Um, and it, because the cost of putting somebody into bed and breakfast, both socially and financially for the local authority, and uprooting them from their support systems and from their family and, and putting them in a temporary housing situation is, is, is quite significant. And if we could use some of the predictive analytics to look at, you know, upstreaming our prevention work. So being notified when people, as Adam's talked about, perhaps are in energy arrears or perhaps are, you know, struggling and, um, applying for benefit. Now, even getting the benefit data is significantly difficult for us because although the forms ask applicants about their, their ability to pay their rent, that never gets put into a system. So you can't analyze it because actually the system doesn't need it to process the, the benefits application. So if we can use some of those predictive analytics and we can get the data sharing agreements into place, then we could do a lot more prevention upstream that enables us to intervene before the person becomes homeless rather than picking up the cost at the other end. Because the cost of a homeless prevention can be as little as, you know, a few hundred pounds up to a thousand pounds. The costs of people going into bed and breakfast can, can come into tens of thousands of pounds. Excellent. And, and the talk of finance and, and funding there brings me nicely onto the, the next question, uh, which, which is, that it's one thing to talk about technology and, and everything you've, you've said there so far sounds great, but without funding, it's all just words. So Amanda, how tight are budgets and where are you finding new sources of, of funding and, and kind of how do you create the business case for this investment in technology? Um, I think, you know, for us, as I said, the budgets are quite tight. We, we took a significant hint, hit on a lot of income streams during COVID. Now, some of those have started to pick up but as I speak to you just now, we're waiting for news of the local government settlement this month. Now, that should hopefully be a three-year settlement that will give us some certainty over um, income for the next three years. But again, it could be a one-year-only settlement. And we've got a lot of unknowns with regards to our levels of income through business rates and new homes bonus and other grants. So our current projections as a district show there could be a gap in as much as um, three million pound per year going forward in future years, and I think that's why we need we need to invest in digital to enable us to to make the savings further down the line. We've been very lucky as as a local authority in in, in accessing funding for for digital projects. So we had a, a discovery project that we did originally. Um, as part of the local digital fund initiative, which looked at the, the feasibility of having an open source um, revenue and benefits system, because revenue and benefits for us is, is the, the third party system that costs us the most revenue as a local authority. And what we found through that project was that there was quite a widespread dissatisfaction across um, a lot of councils in the country with the the current sort of suppliers of the revs and ben systems they often found that the systems didn't meet their needs there was problems getting the data out they were expensive uh, and also they were built on legacy technology and they were unsuitable as a foundation for digital transformation but also there's a significant nervousness from councils to migrate from a working even though it's expensive system onto an unproven platform which may have unknown support services 
So we we proved through the discovery project that that um, there was a case for it, there was a desire for it, but that there were some barriers to to adopting it. And one of the key partners to that bid is Sedgemore, because Sedgemore are one of the local authorities who have invested, there's only two in the country, in building their own um, revenue and benefit system, which they are in the process of moving from legacy technology onto new technology. So we just found out this week, which I'm, I'm delighted about, that we have got further funding to move that project to an alpha. So that's with our partners in Sedgemore, Leeds, Basilton, Brentwood and East Devon to look at how we combat some of those barriers and those fears around migration. So the project aims to focus on one component of an open source revenue and benefit system, which is the business rates part, develop and taste a, test a migration tool to understand how feasible it would be to migrate some of the data from these legacy systems onto a new system, prototype some systems integrations and look at the governance and support models that we um, might need if we were to make this available to, as an open source product to other local authorities. And we also want to engage with local businesses to understand how their needs could be met and ensure any digital office offer meets their expectations. So that's a really exciting project. And we've been really lucky that that local digital fund was available and that we've managed to access that. We've also looked at opportunities that the LGA offers. The local government association are, have sources of funding for local authorities to bid for on digital projects, but also they've got some funding available to local authorities um, for training on areas such as cyber security, which obviously is a significant risk on any um, local authorities risk register. So there is there is funding out there that we've managed to to access, but ultimately in terms of our digital transformation program those just supplement the the actual core funding that we need to invest as a local authority and in infrastructure in developing our systems fantastic and you mentioned the, the kind of partnership working there the collaboration element of, of pulling in knowledge and expertise from from elsewhere and and if, uh, in, in many ways amanda could you expand on that and, and share kind of more key learnings from from your work on, on where others in this in a similar position can turn for, for help and guidance i mean part partnership working for us has been key to the success and and obviously obtaining the funding from that from those bids but i think when you're talking about obviously the environment that district councils are working in where they have less less money more expectations and the need to invest I think it's really important and, and there's numerous other examples where district councils have gone into partnership with other district councils to enable them to build their capacity and build economies of scale and, and deliver and develop better services for residents. From our own authority, we've been we, we've been really lucky in that we've been able to develop a tripartite um, tickle company to deliver our IT services for three councils so that's with East Devon and, and Exeter and, and that was built largely upon um, the, the I guess the inability of the districts at the time to perhaps move their their digital aspirations on as far as as, as they, they could individually so by pooling those um, resources that we had invested in digital and those staff, we created a tickle company called Strata. And that certainly enabled us to have a firmer platform going forward. But also as an organisation, that Strata looks more attractive for people who might want to join the organisation because it's bigger, but it's also given us 
the ability to expand the range of expertise and the resources that we've got available for IT and digital across the three authorities. Excellent. And kind of wrapping things up, with everything you've said in mind, how do you keep up to date with with new initiatives? And if, how do you find out what's going on in kind of across the sector? And and kind of how do you work out what the impact will be? I think it, you know I. One of the things about COVID is we've we've kind of networking's become a lot more difficult. I think because we're on we're on digital conferences and digital meetings, and there was nothing like I think speaking to people face to face and doing that networking in a room which potentially has suffered under COVID. We have there, and I'm sure all districts have their own kind of localized networks in in their wider areas so southwest councils have you know networks where local authorities can meet together and exchange ideas local government association is i said is 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 a key player in terms of enabling people to keep up to date but also offering sort of networking opportunities and support for local authorities local digital fund has been really valuable in terms of um because all of those projects are developed in the open. So they've all got Slack channels and weak notes that you can access to keep up to date with the projects that other local authorities are doing that have been funded under the local digital project. And there, and there is a range of, of obviously conferences and networks that's, that happen either online, either through you know professional organizations such as Solace and the, um, and the LGA. Nick Hill also, he has a public sector digital transformation forum, which has been running seminars and meetings throughout the pandemic. And that's been really helpful. And it's a really good forum for um, local authorities just to, to bounce ideas off and exchange good practice and digital services that they're developing. So there are, there are a range of different networks available. Great stuff. And, and Adam, is there anything you would like to add on, on kind of how districts can really drive forward their, their digital transformation over the coming months? I, I think districts have got a great opportunity to be really clear about the boundaries of what they want to achieve and, and, and understanding their vision and then getting people to buy into that vision using very strong business cases, socialising that business case across the whole of the organisation from everyone that's going to service um, to do the service delivery all the way to the people that are sort of going to sign it off and, and being very clear on the how they're going to achieve things. So for me, districts just have the opportunity to to, to pause, reflect and take stock of what's been a very difficult two years for them in the pandemic. But for the next three years, the, the opportunity for digital really gives them the chance to become digital organisations because of their scale and agility. Fantastic. Amanda, Adam, that, that was brilliant. Thank you. Some terrific insights and information there. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this latest episode of the Agilisys podcast. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. This is the first of a series of episodes that will cover the topic of transformation in district councils, so do please check back soon for the next instalment. Loads more district-specific and wider local government articles, ideas, case studies and key learnings can be found at agilisys.co.uk. There, you will also find out information on our regular events and webinars focusing on specific areas of transformation. Further podcasts from this series can be found on the Agilisys Spotify channel, as well as via Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Once again, thanks for listening. We hope to welcome you back very soon.